Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsapornchai. Brother, it's good to see you again for the second day in a row. We're sort of pre-recording a couple episodes because uh, I've got to leave town here next week. Um, but so th- this episode is kind of riding on the back of the last one we did, right? Because we right. mentioned something in the last episode. Uh, we're doing a short little counseling series um, on a few different topics. The last episode we did on gluttony, but we mentioned uh, as a part of what's gluttonous, a form of hedonism. Uh, and, and of course, that brings up in the Christian circle, um, well, this idea of Christian, quote unquote, Christian hedonism, right? Which was popularized by John Piper, but I think neither you nor me really prefer to use the term that way. Yeah, hedonism, you know, let's talk about what that word means. And put quite simply, it's just the relentless pursuit of pleasure. Um, it's making that uh, your life goal to just always live uh, in pleasure. Um, obviously, gluttony uh, fits um, in well with that. And a lot of the pagans uh, who are pagan kind of spiritualists would often argue that in order to get close to God, you've got to delight yourself in kind of these orgies and and getting um, getting high or whatever it may be. People even do that uh, today. So the, the term hedonism has never been a word that you would consider to be virtuous. And so, so when John Piper, um, you know, he's he's got his uh, website, Desiring God, his book, Desiring God, really pushing for the concept of Christian hedonism. And I think you'd agree with me, what he describes, we would agree with. Um, we're just not crazy about the term itself. Um, but I think we see in scripture um, where it talks about the fact that we can find joy and peace in Christ. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, it, it, you know, there are some terms that you you just can't redeem because there's no redeemable, there's nothing redeemable about the term, right? There's never been a positive usage. There's no positive definition for hedonism. So, slapping the word Christian uh, in front of things, which generally speaking, I actually hate doing. Um, I, I, I'd like to use biblical language when we can, but just putting the word Christian in front of something doesn't necessarily redeem that. Now, we understand words can change over time and get new meanings in a language that, you know, is a living language. So it's not like, you know, ancient Greek, the Koine Greek, where it doesn't change the definitions of the definitions. They'll be the same forever. It's a dead language. So we we get that the English language is not like that. Um, but I think instead of talking about Christian hedonism, we should just talk about joy, right? I mean, that's yeah. really the heart behind John Piper's, you know, whole Christian hedon, hedonism message. Well, it's finding our joy in Christ. It's finding our fulfillment in Christ, which we would agree with wholeheartedly, right? Um, and so, yeah, it was interesting at the Puritan conference, it, you know, John MacArthur said from the stage, which I wish he wouldn't have, but it's okay, uh, you know, that secretly he was a Christian hedonist. Um, him and Piper had some discussion, but, it, you know, what he was, but he understands what Piper means by that. Um, yeah. And yeah. And so, I mean, it it's really kind of not a big deal if you do use it, but hedonism is not a good word. 
Um, and, and in fact, hedonism is is sinful, right? It's antithetical to the Christian way of life, the Christian way of doing things. Um, but let, let's talk about then what what John Piper kind of means, not him specifically, but we're talking about finding our joy in Christ. Um, it, you know, I want to go to pull up a Romans passage, and it, it's it's a good conversation for us to have now. We've just finished uh, Christmas and celebrating the birth of Christ. Uh, we're moving into the new year. Um, and of course, if people are listening to this podcast uh, outside of the season we're in, what Christian doesn't need to be reminded that we are to have joy um, in in this life. But uh, as we kind of go to some of these verses, I'm, I'm going to go to Romans 5. Um, R- Romans 5, I mean, if we want to talk about why we have joy, and I like this passage because it, it kind of emphasizes something that maybe John Piper doesn't emphasize too much. Um, the whole idea of Christian hedonism really could could give the sense that we're sort of just talking about a better version of your best life now, right? And that's mm. not what John Piper, I think, is aiming for, um, but it certainly does kind of give that feeling, right? The whole world, uh, there's no lack of talking about finding peace or finding love or finding joy. There's no lack of pursuing those things. But I think what maybe lacks in the Christian church in our current day and age is a theology of suffering. And we've talked about that, right? Finding joy in suffering, because that's something we don't do well in our culture. I don't think we do well in the church in the Western world is suffer, right? Uh, but this Romans 5 passage says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have obtained our instruction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this next one, mm-hmm. this this next verse, and not only this, but we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. What an incredible passage. Yeah, it is. And uh, you, you see the word exult showing up uh, numerous times. And, and to exult is it's a synonym for rejoicing. Uh, when you spell it E-X-U-L-T, we exult in the hope of the glory of God, verse 2. And then verse 3, we exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. So what we see here is both rejoicing, but not just rejoicing because you're pursuing pleasure, but rejoicing in our tribulations. Now, tribulations, this is another word for trials um, that brings about suffering. And Peter has a similar idea. I was just thinking about 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 3, all the way down to verse 9. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and he reminds us of the inheritance that we have in heaven that's imperishable undefiled will not fade away and then in verse 6 he says in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold which is perishable even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of jesus christ and so i I think one of my concerns and, and and again when i listen to john macarthur not john macarthur john piper explain 
the what he means by Christian hedonism, I'm on board. I don't have I, I don't have anything to push back on. But I think using that term um, can can also provide the wrong idea that we are that the Christian life we are out there to seek pleasure. Even if you understand it, it's the kind of pleasure that's only found in Christ. I, I think what you have to understand also is that sometimes the Christian walk is not bringing pleasure. Sometimes the Christian walk, in those trials and tribulations, they're not always going to feel um, pleasurable. Um, but uh, the, the joy and, and the peace that Jesus Christ gives us is one that is different from the world. It's alien from the world. It's one that's not dependent upon circumstances. And sometimes in our Christian walk, um, we have to we have to put in a lot of effort to do what is right, um, even when we have temptations to do what is uh, to to sin against God or to turn away. Um, think about the letter of um, Hebrews, the author of Hebrews writing to a number of Jewish Christians who were considering turning back from the faith in order to escape kind of the suffering and persecution that they were going through. You look at that letter. I mean, that that letter is all about, look, there, there's nothing there's nothing left aside from Jesus Christ. Th this is it. You, you guys have the realization uh, of all that the Bible points to from the Old Testament. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the Old Covenant. Jesus provides a better way. He's a better priest. He's a better this, that, and the other. It goes on and on and on, really trying to encourage people to do what is right, um, to do what is going to be hard. Um, but when you put your hope into Christ, when you put your faith into Christ, then you set your hope, uh, just as Peter says in verse 13 of chapter 1, set your hope completely upon the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When you do that, then you start to understand the kind of hope and the kind of joy that is different from what the world uh, receives. And, and so that's what we're after. And it's it's um, it's not a relentless pursuit of pleasure. And, and I think a lot of this hedonism talk, Christian hedonism, th this is partially a countermeasure against the um, culture of legalism, where Christianity is all about doing this, that, and the other, um, where we really want, um, ideally, we want us to be motivated, not by just trying to observe a bunch of commands, but we want to be motivated by the love of Christ. We want to cultivate that love of God in our heart. And as we understand and enjoy God more, it gives us a natural motivation to do what is right. But that's not always going to be even, that's not always going to be there. Yeah, and I, I think another danger is when we're thinking about, you know, so-called Christian hedonism, it, it, it does kind of tempt one to make the Christian faith about them, right? I, I mean, it yeah. does actually yeah. become a form of real hedonism. Right, which is, or it could, which is sinful, um, and I, and and that's not what John Piper is promoting, I, I don't think, but it it certainly does when your whole emphasis is about what you're getting out of God in terms of yeah. your earthly joy, your earthly pleasure, um, then then it becomes a, a, a serious problem, right? The, the the litmus test that Jesus gave wasn't your feelings, right? It wasn't. If you're feeling uh, happiness, and maybe we'll talk about the difference between, you know, true biblical joy and and happiness, um, but we don't see anywhere in Scripture where the primary pursuit of man is his own happiness or his own joy, right. and it doesn't right. make it any better by substituting what we find joy in um, from the world, uh, substituting the world's what the world offers with Christ, right? If you're pursuing Christ purely for what you get out of that, right? In terms of your own joy, your own contentment, your own, well, then you're missing the mark, right? Still. 
and yeah. it becomes mm-hmm. something entirely different. I mean, our primary pursuit ought to be to bring glory to God. And yeah. in that, we we do certainly experience joy. We do certainly uh, find contentment. But those are not the prime product. They're the byproduct of our faith. And so, if they become the prime product, then our, our faith really starts to become twisted and, and not biblical. We're basically not doing much more than what we see in a lot of the charismatic Pentecostal circles, right? Our faith becomes a faith of seeking feelings and satisfaction rather than seeking the glory of God and the good of others. Yeah, and unfortunately, there have been too many who have been in the faith that get caught up in that movement where it's about feelings and emotions. And and that, that is, I agree with you, that is very much tied together um, with, with hedonism, even if people won't call it that. But we get caught up in our feelings and our emotions, and sooner or later, it ends up being used to justify um, what shouldn't be justified, um, activities that um, should never have happened to a Christian. I'm looking at Ephesians chapter 2, and in the first three verses, and we read this often, um, verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But verse 3 says, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as, as the rest. So in other words, part of the characteristic of those who are not in Christ, um, part of the characteristic of those who are dead in their trespasses and sins, they not only follow after the course of the world and after the course of the prince of the power of the air who is satan but they lived according to the lust of their flesh indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind that is hedonism at its core and so what what i i appreciate what john piper is trying to say is that you know when you um, find your joy in christ and and we have a lot of verses throughout the psalms i got a bunch of them in front of me to delight in the lord you you just look up the word delight you'll see it all over um the the psalms and the call to delight in the lord so i i get that we want to delight in the lord and we know that when we delight in the lord he gives us the desires of our heart but the desires of our heart needs to be sanctified by our delight for the lord um the desires of our heart need to be sanctified by what it is that that is good that's that's why Paul tells us to to dwell on those that those things which are good and perfect and and those kinds of things. So we, we just we just want to to be careful of giving the wrong kind of idea and also the wrong kind of mindset. I think that's what you what you're getting at when we have this mindset of where we're just seeking after um, what gives us pleasure. Then then it's 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 dangerous and it can lead you down the wrong road uh, very quickly. And I think, you know, you think about the secular world and, and just the amount of work people put into just any kind of achievement, even a secular sense, you know, the Olympic athlete who, who works uh, day and night uh, for four years just to try to earn um, that right to get a medal at the end of four years. Well, what are they focused on? Well, they're really focused upon the achievement, what's at the end of all that. But knowing that until then, there's a lot of sacrifice. There, There is a lot of, um, a lot of suffering. And, uh, Another verse that comes to mind, Philippians 1.29, Paul says this, for to you it has been granted, and we've mentioned this before, that word for granted is the same Greek, from comes from the same Greek root as the word grace. So to, to for it to be granted, it's like it's being given as a gift, it's being given by God's grace. So it says, for to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. And that's an amazing verse from the Apostle Paul, because what he is saying there 
is that it's been given to you as a gift from God, not only to believe, but also to suffer for the sake of Christ. And we, we see examples of that, even through the book of Acts, when the apostles uh, and the disciples ended up getting punished, um, they they actually pray thanksgiving to God. Um, they they give thanks that they were considered worthy uh, to, to be mm. treated uh, much like Christ. And Paul gets into that in Philippians 3 as well. So we, we, we don't want to just talk about hedonism without talking about the suffering that comes from this world and the disappointment that you're going to have when you put your hope into pleasure from this world. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, those are really good points. And I, and I think, again, what our culture doesn't lack, and even in, in the church, is any kind of emphasis on, you know, seeking joy, seeking pleasure, whether it's wholesome types of pleasure or unwholesome types. But in the church, of course, we're talking about wholesome types of things. But but again, this is the conversation is really the difference between the result of our walk with Christ and the aim of our walking with Christ. Right. Uh, You know, the result of walking with Christ is that we do find contentment and we do have joy and and we do have peace and those things but that's not the aim and i think what christian hedonism does at least for a lot of people and again i i, I you know i count john piper as uh, as a brother i i we you know we have some theological disagreements in some areas yeah. um but he has some fantastic works out there and i i don't think that's his intention but i i think what comes across is this push for uh instead of what should be the aim right is is a push to pursue what the result should be and so you kind of flip the christian life on its head and it, you know so i you were reading from philippians i actually had philippians 4 pulled up you go to 4:10 and we kind of mm-hmm. see right. this here right and we, we've read these passages before uh but it, here paul's talking and in verse 10 he says but i rejoiced in the lord greatly that now at last you revived your concern for me indeed you were not concerned before but you lacked opportunity now that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever whatever circumstances I am. I now uh, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. We don't see Christian hedonism here. What we see is Paul pursuing his life with Christ and faithfulness, and as a result of that, he's learning to be content in all these circumstances. He's not seeking, it's it's what he's learning in the midst of being faithful. And so, I I think that's a different mindset than what you could walk away with if you misunderstand. The the problem with with teachings like Piper is that he doesn't, they never reproduce themselves quite the same, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and so, Piper has a very well-defined idea of what he's teaching. When you listen to that, you can walk away saying, yes and amen. I, I understand that. I agree with what you're saying. But what seems to happen when you use terms like he uses, and and it, by the way, he does very much shy away from anything that kind of would seem to be negative, right? I, I mean, that's we, we saw that at, at the recent conference, right? Um, John MacArthur 
was and not pitting the two against each other but uh j- just to say the difference right john MacArthur was talking about the reality of the world in which we live today that it is getting worse right uh we we look at the the fact i think we can say it's a fact that uh god has turned over our country to its depravity um and and piper kind of went said that and and brought it back and brought up the issue of christian hedonism and just kind of talked about how he'd rather people focus on joy in christ um well that's fine but we can't neglect the reality that not only are we going to suffer but we're actually blessed by god in suffering when it's for his sake right the book of matthew jesus said blessed are you when you're persecuted right and and so in some sense by not creating but by not understanding uh suffering we actually minimize god's blessing that that's meant to be given in the midst of that yeah i think of um you know i mentioned acts five it's acts five um, chapter five, verse starting in verse uh, forty. Um, this is the story of uh, Gamaliel c- confronting the uh, Jewish uh, elite who really are trying to figure out what to do with um, these disciples and apostles. And Gamaliel gives the advice that look, if you're if this is if this is not of God, it'll be overturned by itself. But if it is uh, it is of God, you don't want to be found fighting against God. And then verse forty says they took his advice and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them, ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, then released them and verse 41 so they went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name and every day in the temple and from house to house they kept right on teaching and preaching jesus as the christ now i i also just you had read that passage out of philippians 4 great passage and and i just want to highlight something that you had mentioned um paul learned the secret to being content in all circumstances that wasn't something that happened from day one it's not like he was blinded and suddenly he knew the secret of contentment and i think you can see an example of what paul had to learn just in letters like second philippians second philippians chapter 12 uh, not philippians um, corinthians second corinthians uh, chapter 12 he talks about the thorn in the flesh and we've mentioned this on a recent episode as well um verse eight um concerning concerning this and he's talking about that thorn that was sent by god to keep him from exalting himself a messenger of satan to torment him okay he's being tormented by this messenger of satan and uh, god has the purpose of keeping him from exalting himself and verse eight concerning this i implored the lord three times that it might leave me well if you take the christian hedonist approach that that should be answered right i mean paul is looking for something better he's trying to remove pain from him and verse 9 and he said to me that's jesus responding my grace is sufficient for you for power is perfected in weakness and this is a great counseling verse i go to this quite often because what jesus essentially told paul is that you know what paul even though you're doing a great work even though you're being tormented um i will not remove that thorn because what i have given you already is sufficient and so then paul goes on to say i will rather boast about my weakness so that the power of christ may dwell in me but i think it's experiences like that where paul had to learn the secret to contentment so what am i trying to say i'm trying to say this is a process and for those who are newer in the faith or maybe less mature they haven't grown as much as they would like to grow this doesn't come naturally I mean, this this takes a lot of devotion, takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of reminding yourself of the beauty of God's word. And in doing so, you're cultivating that love for Christ. But realize that 
learning the secret of contentment in all circumstances, it took a lot of trials for on Paul's behalf. And you can't just go into an ivory tower and lock yourself uh, into a room and, and study by yourself and suddenly experience that. Um, it takes a lot of just trials that God is going to bring your way. And, and it takes a heart of thanksgiving that thanks God, even when we suffer for those trials, knowing that he has a good and perfect uh, purpose in those trials. Yeah, and it, you know another good point it, we're talking about he how Paul learned these things again. His aim and his focus was not on getting contentment, right? I mean that's yeah. not what the Christian walk was. They came as a result of what pursuing faithfulness. I mean, really, right? And yeah. so w- when we talk about that, really, the Christian's goal should not be to in in one sense, right? The in in the whole Christian life. Our goal shouldn't be um, to to pursue the good things that we get from God. Uh, now, now maybe, maybe I explain that a, a little bit. What what I mean is that I don't come to the faith for what I can get out of it. Um, you, you know, one we understand God's the one that draws us. Um, but as I walk my Christian life, um, I under, in understanding the grace that God's given in my salvation. It causes my love for him um, to then cause me to desire to be faithful, right? Jesus says, yeah. you love me if you obey my commandments. And so that should be the focus of the Christian life is loving God, right? I mean, one of the Ten Commandments, um, it, that, that's the focus. And then if, if our daily concern is on glorifying God, you know, whatever we do, we do it to glorify God, then we'll, as a benefit, get and find and learn the joy and the contentment. When difficulties come, uh, because we are pursuing faithfulness and we're pursuing, uh, you know, a, a life that glorifies God, we find ourselves going to the scriptures and then we find our comfort and what we need in the scriptures. And that's exactly what we see here with Paul. Paul was coming to the Lord because he had, and I think sometimes in our circles, we we tend to sort of overlook the fact that there was a messenger of Satan tormenting yeah. Paul because it sounds, you know, it, it sounds like things you might hear in other circles, but we live in a spiritual reality, right? I mean, there are angels, mm-hmm. there are demons. Uh, we, we, that's just the reality of things. So Paul is we we know what his life looks like. He's walking in faithfulness. He's preaching the gospel. Um, he has a mission given specifically by Christ, and he's pursuing that wholeheartedly. And he gets this right the, this tormentor, and he goes to the Lord. And it's in that that the Lord doesn't offer comfort in in as no. such as we would see it right. he doesn't take it away he actually just says that it's better that you're weak <laughs> right i i mean that's that's right. what this communicates my grace is sufficient in other words paul i'm not taking this away you're going to remain you're going to you're going to continue to suffer in this area and i want you to lean on my grace and my grace will be enough for you to persevere through it right an entirely different type of contentment. And and we know that he's content because he just goes on the verse after that, right? Therefore, I am well content with weakness. 
with yep. insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. This is the, a different kind of contentment than I think what people hear when we hear of Christian hedonism, right? I think in the West, when we talk right. about joy and contentment, we're basically just talking about things that make me feel good, things that I like, that I enjoy. But a lot of what Paul considers contentment is actually trusting in Christ's sufficiency through his difficulties, nothing to do with good feelings or even the enjoyment of what he's going through. Yeah, it's the example of David when he wrote uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, mm -hmm. uh, meaning there there is nothing that I am lacking um, that that I cannot get uh, from, the, from the Lord, our, our shepherd ourselves. I, I'm looking at uh, the book of John and John 10.10, um, this is often a quoted passage um, by those who really want to push the prosperity gospel. Um, J Jesus says, I came that they would have life and have it abundantly. And people, uh, some will focus on that word abundantly, meaning that that means uh, wealth and and riches and happiness uh but chapter 14 verses 27 28 uh jesus says peace i leave with you my peace i give to you not as the world gives do i give to you do not let your heart be troubled nor let it be fearful you heard that i said to you i will go away and come and, and will come to you if you love me you would have rejoiced because i go to the father for the father is greater than i and then at the end of kind of this dialogue that starts in john 13 and goes all the way to 16 before he does his high priestly prayer in 17 at the end of chapter 16 says these things i've spoken to you so that in me you may have peace in the world you have tribulation but take courage i have overcome the world so when jesus says in john 10 10 that they will have life and have it abundantly that's uh that that is a quality of life that is spiritual and and not temporal or, or driven by this world you know when peter talks about hey in this you rejoice though um though you have gone through tribulations for a short while just prior to that he reminds them of the riches that they have in heaven well those are riches that you're not necessarily going to enjoy here and now um, unless you uh, find a way to be able to rejoice in the fact that those things are coming and they cannot be taken away right so everything is based upon the eternal what we look forward to when we are in the presence of god and until then we take pleasure in the fact that we can serve god we are we are serving the great high king and then i think about um you know our position i'm, I'm a pastor you're a pastor and it's hard work um, they're, but they're, you know, and I've served in corporate America. I've done a number of different jobs, computer programming, um, and I've worked as a consultant, um, all those kinds of things. And there, there is no other place I would rather be now than to be serving as a pastor for our Lord. Now, it, it, does that mean it's always pleasurable? It's always easy? It's always good? You know, there are times when I'm going to counseling uh, with married couples, married couples who are in the heat of some just difficult struggles they're striving against each other um you know one has been maybe unfaithful to the other there, there's a lot of anger there's a lot of hate those are tough situations to get into and and i i do not look forward to 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 being in the heat of that battle but i also know that that's that's how i serve the lord and uh, the the outcome of all that knowing that god's word is sufficient um and and seeing god's word do its work in people um ultimately does give me great joy but in that time in that moment if i'm really seeking after hedonism that's not what i'm going to want to do that's not what i'm going to want to take on yeah absolutely yeah it, you know and so and and we should say right because it, it could sound a bit depressing right, if people aren't aren't getting the picture or misunderstanding we're not saying that this joy is only for um that which is to come 
right? We're saying that right. our ultimate hope is in what is to come. We're saying that we need to understand life is going to be uh, a suffering, filled with suffering here on earth in various forms. But don't misunderstand us. We're also saying that this joy is very real here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that's just not primarily what we're seeking. What we're seeking right. is to be faithful to God. What we're seeking is the glory of God. What we're seeking is to in, enjoy the life we have with God. And from that, right, it, it's sort of like Paul's statement about how uh, the, the gospel is great gain, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I, I'm, can't remember where that's at at the moment, but, uh, it, you know, Paul's talking about those who are using the gospel for gain. He says, well, actually the gospel is great gain. Um, it, it's that kind of thing, but we're talking about genuine, real joy. And yeah. I, I, I think how people often miss that. And you probably come across this in counseling sessions as well is they're very simply pursuing the wrong thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Pursuing the wrong thing. When we pursue Christ, when we lean into Christ in the midst of difficulties and suffering, that's when we find joy um, or contentment. And, you know, Paul oftentimes does not talk about joy when he's talking about dealing with trials and tribulations, right? He talks about being content, which is an, an entire satisfaction in the outcome of things based upon his understanding God's sovereignty, right? And and so you there's a sense of security in in that. And that's what Paul talks about quite frequently. So yeah. So when we talk about Christian hedonism, I, I would I I would I would ask people to consider maybe not using that phrase. <laughs> I know John yeah. Piper is very popular. And again, I, I don't disagree with what I understand his teaching to be. Um, I, I just think if your emphasis is always on um, meeting, finding your happiness and your joy and your contentment. Now, to be fair, uh, Piper would would make sure that we understand that that is all in Christ, right? Finding our joy in Christ, um, mm-hmm. finding our pleasure in Christ. But it still gives the feel that it's kind of more about me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't give a very holistic picture of the real world in which we live. Jesus speaks quite a lot about suffering. Uh, the apostles, quite a lot about suffering. Um, the, the whole theme of the New Testament as we get towards, you know, the return of Christ displays that the world's progressively going to decline in terms yeah. of its sinfulness uh, and its depravity. So, if you have, if you develop this idea of I need to feel good all the time, and that's what God has for me, or any anything similar to that, um, regardless of how well-meaning it may be then at some stage what you're going to define what you're going to find is probably uh yourself becoming depressed and discouraged uh and, and wondering why you're not finding this joy and contentment that you know mm-hmm. you think you ought to have when in reality that comes oftentimes in uh suffering through the difficulty of course we read that passage if uh, about um suffering through difficulties and persevering and that perseverance, that ultimately being what uh, helps point us towards hope. Uh, that's an entirely different mindset than the Western culture has. We don't want to suffer at all. 
Um, mm-hmm. n- and we certainly don't want to view it as a sanctifying aid to us, right? Um, but we see, uh, you mentioned some of the Psalms earlier, you probably have a few of those pulled up, but I mean, we see the psalmist all throughout speaking of rejoicing and finding joy in the Lord. Psalm 32, 11 talks about being glad in the Lord and Mm -hmm. rejoice uh, and how the righteous shout for joy. Now that that's in the midst of every, every circumstance. Um, It's interesting because David in some of the Psalms, you know, he's woe and and weeping and almost self-pity and then he turns right around and he's finding his joy and his contentment in in god and if you understand the history of what's happening he's still suffering right in the midst of those things but it is a real joy and we do want people to understand that we're not saying you're just going to suffer and be miserable here Um, right 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 yeah, it's just it, it, where are you getting the joy from? I think that's going to be the most important distinction. Are you getting joy from things that you want from this world, or are you getting joy from your walk with Christ? And so, some folks may be listening to this thinking, okay, well, uh, how do you answer those who say, well, if the Christian life is so much suffering, if that's what this is about and trying to find joy in suffering, why follow Christ at all? Well, well why not just kind of live the life that I want to live and find the joy that that I want to find uh, in this world? Just just be more hedonistic, but in, in secular terms, and not even have to worry about all this suffering. And where I would point to is the gospel, right? Um, because even though that's the mindset, you can try to— Exactly. So, I mean, you, you've got to go back to the gospel and, and remember why you put your faith into Christ. And that was because of the gospel, because the reality is that we started off as rebellious and enemies of God. Uh, we had a real problem of sin before a holy God. And also, we know that a life of sin will never satisfy. And ultimately, it's going to lead to eternal damnation. And so that only in Christ and, and the sacrifice that he gave for us, and just imagine that, that Jesus Christ gave us the answer to our greatest problem through his suffering. Um, He went to the cross and suffered. And in fact, multiple times he said he grieved that his hour was coming. You know, he he wept over the city of Jerusalem. He he wept over those who rejected him. And then you see the apostles weeping as well. Paul will talk about how often he wept uh, with those of the church, just pleading with them um, to to walk righteously with, with God. And, and so we, we see even in the example of Jesus Christ, the example of the disciples, that they that they sacrifice, but they sacrifice for the good um, of of God's glory and the good of, in the Jesus case, to provide us with salvation, to to give us forgiveness of sins that we can be with God forever. So you look back to the gospel, and to me, whenever I look back at the gospel, mm. it's a, a strong reminder to me that that there is there is no other truth more important than that. I mean, that's it right there. That 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 is the greatest motivation um, in life for for doing what is right and what is good. So when we serve God, we we now serve God knowing that just like Jesus Christ, the world hated Him, mm-hmm. the world will hate us, and and we we have to we have to accept that. Um, but we also have to seek every opportunity to be able to share Christ and to do it with a heart that desires to see people come to faith, because we know. You know, it, it's kind of like, you know, you know, a big disaster is coming. I think of this story of this little girl who was out um, when that uh, major earthquake uh, hit uh, the Indian Ocean and there was huge tsunamis that went in all directions. And there was this little girl that was on the beach. She saw the water go way out and she knew because of a class that she had that week that when the water goes way out, that's that's the sign of a tidal wave coming in. And so she told her parents and then they were able to alert everyone else. But until she had done that, people were running out into into the 
the into the ocean floor just trying to grab all this free fish all this free food they couldn't believe their good fortune when all of it was fool's gold with that tsunami that was coming in and and so we we live life knowing that a tsunami of judgment is coming and and we have the benefit of knowing the truth of what's coming after that and and we have the benefit of being able to warn people and to be able to share people that the real reason that they need to repent and turn to christ so if you're looking for motivation as to why we should uh, be able to endure this suffering it's because we know the truth and we know that that the truth is going to set us free and the truth is going to ultimately give us um an eternity of, of peace in the presence of god forever and ever yeah I'm, that's a really good point Eki. and i i think something else that we should note is if we're just being very honest with ourselves that very question is predicated upon the idea that we deserve something good yeah. it really is right mm -hmm. when in reality if we understand you know you read from ephesians chapter 2 earlier if we really understand the human heart right and human nature as enemies of god then the reality is we deserve nothing except eternal punishment and that yeah. is a just and a right um penalty that is what we deserve and I, our, our culture is so, I mean, this is so countercultural um, that, that, that we even ask questions like that. Sort of reminds me of uh, what R.C. Sproul is now often famous <laughs> for quoting, what's wrong <laughs> with you people? But, right. uh, but I mean, really, we are dust of the earth. We defy the living God. And then we come and we say, well, if if i'm going to have to suffer to serve this god um why would i want to do that right um and, yeah. and so it's an incredibly self-centered selfish and lacks any kind of understanding of human depravity in nature now it's it, it's a legitimate question let me say that because we have to learn these things right um and, and as we are sanctified we come to discover these things. So I, I don't want people to uh, be too shocked when I say that, but we do need to know that. In fact, if God saves you and you never experienced another single good thing in this life, you've gotten more than you deserved. Right. Right. And just as, just as Jesus Christ told Paul, my grace is sufficient yeah. for you. And, and we think about uh, what you, yeah. And then think about what, what Jesus also said, count the cost, Right. Mm -hmm. um count the cost because because there's a cost to following christ and it reminds me of how um christians in china that this example of a missionary in china told me about these christians in china when they came across an unbeliever who was actually seeking answers um, wanted to know if there was a true god and the missionary was about to answer and then the uh the, the chinese christian said can we go ahead and speak to them ourselves and they did they shared the gospel but then at the very end um after they had given the invitation to repent and put their faith into christ they gave this warning but know this you will suffer yeah. you will suffer and and obviously that's a that's a reality in, in a place uh, like china where putting your faith into christ is against the law and it's um it, according to their law you're uh, you're deemed worthy of, of persecution of being thrown into prison or, or whatever it is that they they think is is reasonable and and jesus christ also said um for those who come after him they must deny themselves right yeah deny themselves bear their christ and that, that that's a very that's a very anti-hedonistic kind of statement from the lord jesus christ but we understand what that means um because to deny yourself 
yourself and to bear your cross. It means to deny yourself uh, of all the kind of sinful pleasures of this world that people tend to um, tend to chase after, and to bear your cross, be willing to suffer for doing what is right. And and this is ultimately, you know, I I got to say this because I, I was saved at the age of thirty five. Um, I, I didn't really come to a true knowledge uh, of the truth until 35. And uh, until then, I lived a good life. Um, I, you know, made good money, traveled around the world, did all those kinds of things. And th there is no other place I would rather be than to be where I am right now, knowing God and knowing that I can serve him and, and to be in his word and to just mind the depths of the riches from his word and, and to, to see the, the spirit working in people as they go through trials and come out of it, looking more and more like Christ uh, with each trial. There, there is a joy from that that could never be replicated in the world. There's nothing that replaces that. Absolutely nothing. And and when you go through trials and, and you see that you're you come out of it stronger, that you you start to learn how your joy and contentment can be something that's not dependent upon um, upon temporal circumstances, mm -hmm. but rather is dependent upon what you know is true about God and and the work of the Spirit within you. That is far greater. And so that's what when Jesus says, I came that they would have life and have it abundantly, that, that is exactly what he talked about. There, There is a new spiritual life that people can have and enjoy that can never be replicated by anything in the world. Yeah. Amen. It, you know, it, the Christian life is a call to suffering. And it, I mean, we've been saying that, but, it, you know, if, if, I, I think that was a very accurate depiction, the example you gave of uh, the missionary in China in that situation, because that, I mean, that's literally what Christ invites us into, Yeah, right? right. I mean, Matthew 16 is where you were quoting, um, verse 24, Jesus says to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And I, I mean, you just, you, you need to imagine uh, the suffering that Christ went through. Um, uh, imagine what the cross was for Christ. And I mean, we're baptized into his suffering um, no. and we partake in that. And so, in fact, let me pull up, uh, well, I think it's Isaiah 53. Um, yeah. And, and so, yes, if someone is under the impression that the Christian life is, about a type of joy that doesn't involve suffering, that's not the Christian faith. It's in fact exactly the opposite. Um, and Christ makes that point very poignantly. Uh, let's see here. So I think it's Isaiah 53, right? Where it talks about him being um, crushed for our iniquities. Yes, yes. Here. Uh, yeah, yeah, verse here we go. three, uh, verse five, or verse 10. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just this is the depiction of Christ. Now, we're in Christ. We're called to join in the sufferings of Christ. I mean, this is just a good reminder, um, right? And so, yeah, ver verse 3 there says, He was despised and forsaken of men. I, I mean, are are you willing to be despised and forsaken of men? If yeah. not, then, right. then Christianity isn't for you. Um, you know, and, and understand we're only Christ by God's grace any we're only christian by god's grace anyway but paul speaks to this very same thing does he not he says am i trying to please men if i was i wouldn't be a servant of god right yeah. um you know he it, the, the verse goes on to say he was the man of a, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and like mm -hmm. one from whom men hid their face he was despised and we did not esteem him and it just goes on and talks about 
the fact that we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted, God's wrath was poured out yep. on him for our sins. And then he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed. I mean, the language is vivid yeah. here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so when we think of joy and contentment, it has to be as the result of faithfulness to God. It has to be the result of depending upon God's grace in the midst of suffering. If we separate yeah. joy and contentment from suffering, we really no longer have the Christian faith. Um, it, it, even and, and the last I want to comment on is uh, if we even think about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, so we understand that it's just one fruit, right? You go to Galatians 5, uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. There's a whole list there. Love, joy. I think it's the second one, right? Um, yeah. Well, that isn't something that you can find or you can create or you can – that is something that is a result of walking in the Spirit of God, which is given to you, right? Every believer right. has been indwelt by the Spirit um, as a sign and a seal. And so, if we're – just to say we don't pursue those things as our primary goal, but they do come as we pursue faithfulness. But yeah. the Christian faith – is a suffering faith. Um, yeah. You can't get around that. Yeah, and we we have the promise that we will be strengthened by the Spirit in those times of need when we need to rely upon God. Uh, Jesus told his disciples, uh, do not worry what you're going to say when you're brought before kings and governors because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what to say. He's going to be the one to, to speak. Um, so we rejoice. Absolutely, we rejoice as we endure through trials. We rejoice um, uh, based upon our knowledge of the truth, um, the fact that we know Christ, that we have been adopted into the family of God. You know, when Peter wrote First Peter, he's writing to um, a group that is um, fearful of persecution, that has already started in Rome, where Christians were being impaled in the city of Rome. And how does Peter start off that letter? By reminding them why they are blessed. Blessed be our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who caused us to be born again. So it always goes back to our joy starts with reminding ourselves what Christ did for us, what we have awaiting us, and, and now recognizing that as we endure those trials, trusting in God, we will come to learn the secret of contentment, just as the Apostle Paul did. Yeah, it, it, you know, and so w- when we experience trials and tribulations like Job, our response ought to be the same. We yeah. cry out and we praise God and we find contentment in knowing we're in his sovereign plan when, you know, the time comes where maybe we're persecuted in a different way uh, than we have been in this country, which is which is here, right? Yeah. Um, then we exult knowing that uh, our suffering for the sake of Christ right is being honored and glorifies christ and provides a witness to those around us um i i started reading that isaiah passage i, I, I want to finish that because it, it's just so rich i want to skip down to verse 10 um because we see joy and hope mm-hmm. in this yep. right verse 10 but the lord um that that is yahweh i'm pretty sure was pleased to crush yep. him putting him to grief that's christ if he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with 
the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressions. And then Christ is born years and years later, and Mm -hmm. he says, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, effectively join in my suffering, pick up your cross and follow me. And so, like Paul, we truly can find ourselves in a place of contentment and joy as the world gets darker, as sin gets, you know, more blatant. And I mean, look, there are the the sins that are common today in our own culture um, ought to make everyone blush, right? I I mean, I think they would make Sodom and Gomorrah blush. They've gotten so Hmm. bad. Um, But we don't need to fear those things. Uh, We don't need to fear persecution, and we don't need to seek after, as our primary goal, this joy and contentment. We seek after Christ and obedience to Christ, and as we press in and lean on Him for His grace, we'll, just like Paul, learn to be content and learn uh, joy in the midst of those circumstances. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, I, th- I think this was um, a very thorough discussion, uh, and, to, and and I think, as we said, uh, we probably agree um, on everything that John Piper says as he explains it. Um, we just prefer to go back to the Bible and 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 provide these warnings about using terms that may throw people off or make people think with the wrong kind of mindset, with the wrong kind of attitude. Um, just just go back to the scriptures, and and our goal overall is to become more like Christ. Amen. Well, we hope that this episode has been helpful to you. Don't forget, we now have a YouTube channel. You can find that in the show notes. Uh, If you're listening, obviously, if you're watching us, you have uh, found it already. But do have something uh, to ask. We are trying to get to a thousand YouTube followers. Um, and so we, we, we have about that on our listening and it's not just about the numbers, but, uh, it helps with exposure. Um, it also gives us multiple platforms. I mean, this is the reality, the day we live in, you know, it, uh, Spotify could pull Christian stuff. And so kind of want to be on multiple platforms just uh, as things go the way they're going. But if you'll help us and uh, click the subscribe button, if you already listen to our podcast, uh, share an episode that's been helpful to you. And then certainly we'd love to hear your stories um, and what God's doing in your life. You can email us, which is also in the show notes. So thank you. God bless. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.